Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I am Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Rick. Today, we're going to do a full review of the Coen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis, but before we do that, we are going to talk about some film news. Um, off the top here, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you thought about a movie that we saw or something that we talked about. Uh, give us discussion topic ideas, any of that good stuff. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Go and rate us and review us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. And uh, follow us on Twitter at MFN Podcast and go to MidwestFilmNerds.com for full show notes. Um, other than that, I don't know if there's anything else that I want to talk about off the top here. Once again, Nick is not with us. He's out on assignment. Not really. But... <laughs> Uh, He's got things. Yeah, hopefully he will he will return soon. <clears throat> Badger him uh, at Nick Blauvelt on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, we'll get right into our film news here. So, uh, if you are not a fan of Nerd Drivel, as we have done before, we've got some comic book stuff to talk about here. That's the bulk of the news. So, uh, go go. you can go to MidwestFilmNews.com and find out exactly where to skip to in order to get straight to our <laughs> review. To be fair... A lot of the big movie news coming out, like, in the last five years has been comic books. It, it's not true. entirely our fault. That's true. It's not, yeah. If you yeah. look at most film websites, 90% of the stuff that people want to hear is comic book stuff. That's so. true. That's true. I'm just saying. So don't get mad. Yeah, don't get mad at us. Yeah. Don't get mad at us for picking these things to talk no. about. No. <laughs> get, get mad <laughs> at the I'll industry. Get mad. get mad at yourself for going to see all those Marvel movies. Yeah. Or celebrate them. This took a very dark turn. It did. All right. Um... So, Marvel has officially announced that Paul Rudd will be their Ant-Man. We don't know which Ant-Man. We don't know if he's Hank Pym or Eric O'Grady or Scott Lang. Or about a Hank Pimberbatch. Yeah, we don't know which, which, uh, which incarnation of Ant-Man he will be. But we should say that earlier on, I think there was a rumor that it would be him and Rashida Jones mm-hmm. playing Ant-Man and Wasp. Which I think came out of Latino Review, which had a weird track record there for a minute. <laughs> But it seems to be that they seem to be kind of back on their A game, so whatever. Maybe. Maybe he's dialed it down. Maybe. By the El, El Nambe of, of uh, Latino Review fame. But anyway, we've got Paul Rudd being directed by Edgar Wright in a Marvel film mm-hmm. coming out in 2015. Been in development for a been long a, been time. Been in development since the beginning of Marvel Studios, probably mm-hmm. before that, too. Yep. Was Edgar Wright always slated to yes. direct it? The yes. The whole time. That's, it's funny, because there's, there's an interview somewhere where... Uh, Kevin Feige talks about how we had three things to announce at uh, at Comic Con two thousand eight or two thousand six, and that was uh, Mandarin is going to be the villain in the first Iron Man, which wasn't true. <laughs> and it didn't happen. There was another one, and then the third one was Edgar Wright is going to be directing Ant Man, <laughs> and, and they're just now getting around to making the movie. So Eight years later, we're we're finally going to see it. Yeah. So, uh, how, do, how do you feel about Paul Rudd as Ant-Man? As, as Willie, as the person... Uh, Nick probably has more stake in the Ant-Man character, but mm-hmm. you, you, out of the people here, know the most about Ant-Man. How do you feel about the choice? Um, I, I think he's a good choice. I, I mean, I, I think he... I think they're going to wind up doing Hank Pym, and I think that that's mostly because he's the original Ant-Man, and I think that's a character that they've been promoting better in the comics and animated series. Um and, and Marvel, Marvel's very smart about that. They tend to, when they've got a character they know is going to be featured in an upcoming movie, they tend to bring him up in the bring him in the forefront and the rest of their, uh, you know, their, their outlets there. Yeah. And um, so I think it's going to be Hank Pym. And if it is Hank Pym, I think it's a great choice. Um, not that he would make a bad Scott Lang, or he's never going to be Eric O'Grady because <laughs> they're not going to use Eric O'Grady. But um, I don't know. I just I think he's going to be Pym. I think he's going to do a great job. I think uh, Paul Rudd's one of those guys. Like it reminds me of Michael Keaton. Um, and I wasn't aware of this at the time because I was like four. Yeah. <laughs> but um, from what I understand, a lot of people were very upset about Michael Keaton being cast as Batman because before that, he really had only done comedies. Yeah. Um, he was known mostly for uh, Night Shift, okay. which was a comedy, really funny movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, it's awesome. And Michael Keaton's so sweet. But um, <laughs> yeah, people were really upset about that. And it's understandable. I mean, it's hard to break that that idea you have in your head of who somebody is as an actor. Um, yeah. I mean, like, if Zach Galifianakis got cast as uh, a comic book villain in a Marvel movie, like, tomorrow, I would also be 
you know, I'd be yeah, like, you'd be like, why? Why are they doing that? Yeah, I mean, and you know, even Heath Ledger, like a lot of people, were really upset about that when he got cast. And yeah. I'm not saying that you know Paul Rudd is going to be as good as Heath Ledger was as the Joker or as whatever, but I think he's going to do a fine job. I've seen him in, in in more serious roles before. Yeah, he's kind of been kind of edging his way into the the more indie comedy dramedy. Little more, you know, like some of the more serious stuff lately yeah. than he had been in the past, and I think that might be just him wanting to kind of try some different stuff, and, and he yeah. has the clout to do it now. I the, yeah, so. that's the thing. It's a it's a pretty interesting choice. I know that some of the people that you and Nick and I were kind of bandying around. We were, I, I remember bringing up Jason Bateman back in the day, and this seems like Bateman a very yeah. in that vein kind of similar choice where like. My, my whole, like, qualifier for that was, like, if Jason Bateman could get into the shape to be a superhero, yeah. then I feel like he'd be pretty interesting in the part. And yeah. I basically feel the same way about Paul about Paul Rudd. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I, I mean, I, I actually like, I mean, I like Bateman and Paul Rudd, but I like Paul Rudd better. So yeah. this is certainly, it's almost like, it's, like you said, it's almost like getting Jason Bateman. You know, they're very similar senses of humor yeah. and stuff, too. So very dry. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm psyched. It, it makes, my first and my initial thought was, like, if this movie had been made in like eighty six or eighty seven, like would it have been Bill Murray? Like, because I sort of got Paul Rudd reminds me of Bill Murray back in his day, like the the deadpan, you know. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just now I want to see Bill Murray as Ant Man too. So that'd be that'd be pretty amazing. Let's see Bill Murray as everything, but Bill Murray might do it if my, if Kevin Feige gives him a call on the Bill Murray hotline and says, "Hey, we want you to do Ant Man." If he blows the conch, the Murray yeah, conch, the, the Bill Murray conch, Murray might show up. Um. No, I'm excited for it. So, and if Rashida Jones winds up, if that winds up panning out too, I'm totally okay with. That. I like Rashida Jones, and yeah. and uh, I'd like to see her do more. She's a little less busy now, I think, because I don't think she's doing as much with TV anymore. Is leaving, she? leaving Parks and Rec. She might be leaving that show. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be cool to see. Yeah, if I mean, Jason Segel gets cast, it's gonna be really weird. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think we're gonna get an "I Love You Man" reunion. I love you, Ant Man. It's <laughs> gonna, gonna be odd. Yeah. Right. Any any thoughts, Rick? On how do you how do you feel about seeing Paul Rudd in a Marvel movie? You've recently been more exposed to the Marvel movies. Yeah. Well, I also just discovered who Ant Man was. Okay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a little nerdy, right? Yeah, he's a science dude. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely. Could, I think uh, something about Paul Rudd makes me believe that he could pull that off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have really no qualms about it, but I also have no stake. Yeah. In, sure. In the franchise. I'm basically in the same boat. I know, I know very little bit. My, like my 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 level of Ant Man knowledge is very slightly above yours, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever, okay. Well, and, and if you want to compare him to other Marvel characters, like personality wise, I mean, he's a little bit. He's kind of right in the middle of like Banner and and uh, Stark. Yeah. In terms of personality, I mean, he's got that level of smarminess and smart alecky stuff going on. Yeah. Not quite to the degree that he's not in love with himself to the point of where Stark is, but he's also. He he'd be very reserved like Banner is, and very like and in some respects tortured too, kind of yeah. like Banner. Yeah, well, he's got a lot of demons <clears throat> and stuff. So it, I think I think Rudd will be able to balance that pretty well. I mean, you don't want somebody that's gonna have that's gonna show up Robert Downey Jr., which I don't think exists anyway. So, <laughs> so and but uh, I yeah. I'm very excited to see. I hope he winds up being a character in the third um, yeah. Avengers movie because I, I want to see Paul Rudd like interacting with like I mean I, I can't even imagine Stark at this point. I can't even imagine, seriously, I can't imagine Paul Rudd interacting in a serious, like, super, I mean, as serious as it needs to be, superhero role with, like, Chris Evans as Captain America and Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Think about this. We could have an action scene with Paul Rudd and Chris Hemsworth. This is insane, oh, but man. awesome. So yeah. Hawkeye shooting Paul Rudd on his arrow to... <laughs> Jeremy Runner firing a miniature Paul Rudd at somebody. Think about it in those terms, and it's, it's yeah. it already sounds great, so... Uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Totally. So. And his his powers are going to be very cool to see on screen. Yeah. We saw yeah. a bit of the test footage. Um, the, yeah, the, the test footage that kind of leaked out. Did you see that, Rick? Yeah, it was footage. awesome. Did, was Edgar Wright cool. behind that, too? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, okay. he directed that. I was going to say, visually and aesthetically, I think Edgar Wright is perfect for this kind of movie because yeah. he always is... He's been very... Uh, there are a lot of always like kind of tricks and cool things that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has some gimmicky this, things. Yeah, yeah. And this feels kind of like... Perfect. I don't know. It seems like a good fit to me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That, te- that test footage. When I saw that, I was like, "This movie can be really, really, really cool." And I think Absolutely. they're going to do it right. So. Um. All right. Move on to our next point of business. Fast and Furious Seven has an official release date of April tenth, twenty fifteen. 
uh, announced by Vin Diesel on his Facebook last night. Um, not a whole lot more we want to say about this. I think we talked about it two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to go back to our, I think it was Hunger Games review or somewhere around there, episode fifty-five. Um, you can see where where we think they should go with it. I think the only other piece of news that really came out of it is that uh, Universal kind of confirmed it, it. It's basically confirmed that they are not going to scrap the footage. They do want to use the Paul, the Paul Walker what footage. They have, yeah. <clears throat> try to give him as honorable a send off as they possibly can. Uh, they they didn't confirm any of the stuff about wanting to use Paul Walker's uh, little brother and. CGing and whatever they want to do there, so uh, we'll probably know more as it as it comes comes out. But I think the good news here is that they have enough confidence in this series to move forward. Yeah, and and that and that they're not ashamed of like trying to use the Paul Walker character as much as they possibly can. So and that's cool. I think that's good. It's, I think it's the I think it's a a ballsier, maybe riskier decision than just restarting. You know, like I mean, restarting when they're when you're insured like that really isn't that big of a risk. No. It's just. But I think they're. I think it's cool that they're doing that. So. Yeah, and I think it's a good idea to give them kind of as much distance from mm-hmm. the from Paul Walker's death as mm-hmm. they can get, because that'll put them a year and a half ahead of it at this point. And mm-hmm. Hopefully, by then the kind of like it's, I personally it doesn't bother me, but the idea of him possibly going out in in some sort of car chase or something in the movie kind of makes it a little more like it. It's I, not as as tough a pill to swallow for. It, yeah, yeah, if it's if it's later on, so especially Tyrese, poor Tyrese. Yeah, poor dude. Tyrese is is taking it pretty hard, but yeah, I love Tyrese. I love you, Tyrese. <laughs> we, we we got you, Tyrese. Um, other than that, we can move to our final news story. We've got Joaquin Phoenix has reportedly been offered the lead villain role in Batman versus Superman. Um. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, Tim had suggested a fellow fellow podcast contributor, Tim Long, had suggested that uh, that Joaquin should play Bizarro, which Bizarro is Superman, which is amazing. And my my basic uh, my idea of that is his him playing Freddie Quill from uh, from the Master, but <laughs> in in a Superman outfit, in a makeshift <laughs> makeshift like Halloween store bot Superman outfit, <laughs> yeah, with like super pale skin and like like as much of a widow's peak as it, he can possibly. It's kind of perfect. That sounds amazing. Yeah, like who wouldn't watch that? Yeah, it'd be so good. I don't. What would you guys think about like a Joaquin Lex Luthor? Like I don't. That's... I don't know. I mean, he's he he's one. I mean, he played one of like the best. On-screen villains of all time, like Gladiator. He's so he's so despicable in Gladiator. Like yeah. by the end, of that, like good villains by the end, like either you need to do one of two things: either I want to kill them, <laughs> like I like either I I'll, I'm just waiting for that, like just praying for the hero to finally take him out, or like I feel some sense of like I understand why this person's doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a sympathetic villain, and then there's like that just oh my god, I hate you. Yeah. And Joaquin like. That role is so good. Like he's so good in that. Oh god, I just wanted him done by the end of that movie. <laughs> so I'm totally down for him for him playing another villain. Like I don't think he's done that since. Really, I don't think he's done like a villain. No, role. yeah. He hasn't really done any movies that have required a villain necessarily. So yeah, it'd be cool to see that again. Well, you could argue that, and I'm still here. He plays his own villain. No, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that, that movie. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Alex Morel is a pretty big Joaquin fan, <laughs> and he was Joaquin Phoenix for Halloween one year. I was, I yeah. was. It was about two years too late for the whole fiasco, I think, but... Uh, it was still good. You guys appreciated it anyway. Can we attach a picture of that to this? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll put something up. Thank um, you. <laughs> you. can thank me later, listening audience. What do you think, Rick? You want to see Joaquin in a big blockbuster being a villain, chewing scenery? A villain. Yeah, Jean Villain. <clears throat> I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to imagine at yeah. all, really, in any capacity. Like he's he's such a he. Well, obviously, I mean, he stepped away from the limelight a little bit, kind of, with mm-hmm. that whole fiasco. But even seeing him back, like he's it's a weird fit. Yeah, but I, th- I think Michael Shannon was kind of weird too. To be fair, like I did Michael Shannon as uh, yeah. I mean, Michael Shannon can play. Like I don't think of Michael Shannon as the kind of guy who would jump on a superhero movie. It doesn't, and That's I feel true. Like, I feel the same way. Maybe a little bit more for Joaquin, but like Joaquin doesn't seem like he'd be interested at all in doing something like this. Well, a lot of people were kind of discounting the whole idea of why would Joaquin ever care, but <clears throat> some uh, Peter Serretta of Slash Film 
Not, not Peter Cetera? Not Peter Cetera, but Peter Serrata. Okay. Uh, not Peter Cetera of uh, Karate Kid fame. But uh, Peter Serrata <laughs> said, you. Uh, y- you need to remember that he's good friends with the Afflecks, obviously. Ah, oh, that's Affleck, true. Ben Affleck has quite a lot of pull in this Batman versus Superman. And then on top of that, wow. they found some sort of interview with Variety where he was like, yeah, yeah I'm not opposed to doing a big kind of thing. You know, I'm not opposed to doing a big blockbuster kind of movie. So I, I, I must say, it's it it doesn't have me excite as excited as if they were like, here's Brian Cranston being Lex Luthor. Sure. Like if that happened, I'm down. I'm totally yeah. down. <laughs> I don't care about Ben Affleck anymore. I don't care that this movie's going to have like 30 different heroes in it that aren't. I just want to see Brian Cranston. Yes. But Brian Cranston is not one that would shock me, though. To be fair, like. Like I, I mean, if let's say that they were they were both up for Lex Luthor, like uh, I think either one of them could do a good job. But I think I think Brian Cranston is certainly the more obvious choice yeah. for that role. But it, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing that they're going with somebody who where people are like, what? Yeah, and yeah, and I, I would be I would be intrigued. It would it would pique my interest. I would definitely want to see what yeah. Joaquin brings to the role because it's just so weird and cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I felt the same way about Terry O'Quinn too. Like. And people were saying that he, he might be up for Lex Luthor. Yeah. And I'm sure that's just because he's bald, because people can't think beyond, <laughs> beyond stuff like that. But, Dean Norris for Lex Luthor. Right, yeah, exactly. He's another one who, I love Terry O'Quinn, but he's a very, he's kind of more of an obvious choice, like, beyond the bald, like, he's done that kind of role before. So, like, yeah. I don't know. Joaquin's, all, like, I'm almost weirdly, like, looking forward to seeing him in this movie. <laughs> we, we, I mean, and that's the thing, is we have no idea if it's actually Lex Luthor. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're gonna hear us talking about Bizarro Superman and they're gonna know that maybe they're like, Hey, these we're filming in Michigan, here's this podcast from Michigan, they say we should do Bizarro Superman for Joaquin, let's do it. <laughs> so they just take footage from the master and just like CG <laughs> over it. Uh, that's what he's doing, I don't know. This is hunched over Superman that's bow legged. <laughs> <laughs> Belly button high pants. Yes. Perfect. Absolutely Amazing. perfect. Alright. I think that wraps up our news for this week, unless there's anything else we can think of. I don't think there's much. I don't know. I just thought about the fact that Amy Adams is in both those movies, so there's that. That's true. Oh, uh, we didn't mention that Peter O'Toole passed away last week, which uh, obviously a very, very, he's a very iconic Mm -hmm. actor, uh, Lawrence of Arabia himself. Uh, So that's, you know, pouring out for Peter O'Toole. I really like him Troy. I know that's really weird, like, like he's made so many movies, but like, I always liked him in Troy. I, I honestly, really good in that movie. I don't know that I've seen much Peter O'Toole stuff since uh, I've really started paying attention to movies. Like in the past like decade, I don't know what I've seen that has Peter O'Toole in it. But. Yeah, I mean a lot of his, a lot of, I think he slowed down a lot. You know, as he got older, I think most people yeah. do. But um, he's, and I think he was more theater too. From yeah, he I did knew. a lot of theater, theater and stuff like that. But I remember, like I said, I remember seeing him in Troy, and like he plays um, uh, Orlando Bloom and Eric Bana's father. Okay. In Troy, and, and a lot of people make fun of Troy, and they're like, "Oh, it's it's a terrible epic," and like you know, like people, I don't yeah. know, people give it crap, but it's actually a pretty good movie, and he he's amazing in it. So, if you want to see some old some some older O'Toole, like bring in the years of experience, <laughs> yeah, watch some Troy. Yeah, I want to go back. I know that they recently did a. I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia, and I know that they recently did like a 4K restoration of it. So, I would like to to take a look at that at some point. But anyway, rest in peace, Peter O'Toole. Um, with that, we will go on to our full review of the Coen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis, as I called it Inside Llewellyn Davis for many, 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 <laughs> many, many months. Uh, uh, directed by the Coen Brothers, as I said, starring Oscar Isaac, Carrie Mulligan, Justin Timberlake, John Goodman, uh, Garrett Hedlund, uh, everybody, everybody in the world, a bunch of cool people. <clears throat> um... The IMDb synopsis says, A week in the life of a young singer as he navigates the Greenwich Village folk scene of 1961. So, yeah, pretty pretty <laughs> <Sure>. succinct. <laughs> Wraps it up pretty well. Um, 
So this is, uh, it's been a while since we've had our last Coen Brothers movie, the last one being uh, True Grit, I think in mm. 2011, 2010-ish. Yeah, they don't take a ton of time off usually either. Usually it's like a movie a year for these guys. No, so. Yeah, and I think uh, they, they did take time. They, they were thinking about getting it out for 2012 Oscar season, and they just decided to take their time. Like, they just kind of, apparently they just kind of missed 2012 timing. But, because uh, it, it played in Cannes, which is... You know, super early in the year, and then they mm-hmm. put it out now, which is just in time for. But yeah, they they kind of hold it back. They hold a, hold back a lot of Oscar films just to have them fresh in everybody's mind when the voting is going on. Mm-hmm. But, um, so uh, interestingly enough, I think uh, True Grit was probably the least Coen Brothers movie that has come out of the Coen Brothers. Maybe that's my hmm. personal opinion. Yeah, you might be right. It's kind of the least wacky and the least fantastical and the least. Uh, one of the kind not not as big on the comedy, although it's pretty straightforward. I mean, yeah. I think it's the biggest thing is like the Coen Brothers are always like they set up these movies that any other, I think any other writer or director would like be able to make a very simple, straightforward story with. Like, I mean, even this movie could be a very like you could Hollywoodize this movie big time. Yeah, um, but they. They, they, I don't know, there's something about them that they always, like, take these very simple concepts and just totally colonize them. Like, they, they just totally mm. become, like, what? Yeah, they <laughs> have, like, they very it's much cool. have their own kind of humor, and they kind of, like, layer stories very well. And yeah. So, so I think Lewin Davis is, is, is kind of halfway. It's, it's somewhat of a traditional Coen Brothers movie, but it's not, it's, it's not trigger level of, like, you know, like, subdued. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it's still subdued to some of their other... Uh, compared to some of their other movies, like it's no, e- e- it's even, not old brother. It's not, yeah, old brother is very much like a wacky kind of musical, kind of like crazy, sh- crazy stuff. Going yeah. On, but, uh, so, Rick, how how did you feel about Lewin Davis? Uh, you you saw it twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first time, I think the whole time I was watching it because it felt so dense, like most other Coen Brothers movies. Uh, I was wondering what else is going on here that I'm not catching. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like so conscious of the fact that you don't really know the full story or the full subtext. And I think most of their movies actually require repeat viewings to really get the full meaning out of, um, and even then you probably overlook a bunch of things. But, uh, yeah, I think the first time I spent a large amount of time just wondering what else is going on. Yeah. And the second time I think I realized that it's actually a fairly simple story that just has all of the elements of Coen Brothers movies that make it actually really dense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really great to me. I mean, I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. I, it, it's, uh, some, some of the movies, uh, much like, I think even like the big Lebowski, once you, once you, uh, kind of watch it that first time and get over the wackiness <laughs> of what's going on. And yeah. These weird kind of, sometimes they feel caricaturized and other times they don't. Like, once you kind of get over all those things, you can watch it again and get, like, a different reading on it and pay attention to it on a different level. And I, I do I do get that out of this movie, but, it, uh, like I said, it's kind of toned down a little bit. So. Yeah. Uh, Willie, how did you feel about the film? Um, I wasn't nuts. I mean, I like the Coen brothers, but I wasn't nuts about this movie. Um, the performances are great and the music's great. Like, those are the two things that stand out, for sure. I mean, yeah. Oscar Isaac, it's awesome. Like... Both as an actor and a musician, so, like, the guy needs more roles, because <laughs> um, yeah. he, he's he's totally one of those guys that I think is going to hopefully wind up becoming a star. Um, and, like, you know, seeing people like Justin Timberlake in a Coen Brothers movie is really cool. Yeah. Um, Garrett Hedlund, even yeah. though he has a, more, a smaller role. Um, so disappointing. <laughs> yeah, he could have been used more. And to be honest, so could Justin Timberlake. So Justin Timberlake could have been used maybe a bit more, too, because I was liking his character, and you don't really get to see too much of him. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Rick put it really well when he said, I mean, I, it, it is really just kind of a straightforward movie. I mean, it's not terribly, I mean, there's those weird, those interesting weird Coen brothers, like, quirks here and there in the movie for sure, especially when John Goodman pops up. <laughs> and that's not, yeah, I mean, that's, they love using him in their films, obviously, and yeah. they, he's totally the, the most Coen brothers thing about this movie, I think, his performance, but, um... I guess at the end of it, I, I just, I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I, I, I think, didn't... I think that's <clears throat> a common feeling for some, for, for a lot of, like, I felt that way after it. Like I watched, um, a serious man, which is a previous Coen brothers mm-hmm. film yep. and I kind of finished it and I was like, 
All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think one of the things with them is like, and and, and really like even uh, any director that has a very specific style. I mean, you can tell this is a Coen Brothers movie mm-hmm. in the same way that you can tell uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is is a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah. They had the, you know, I love that there's certain, I mean, Tarantino, uh, there's plenty of those directors yeah. where you, like, you instantly know who you're watching or wh- whose movie you're watching. And I think with the Coen Brothers, um, for me, if I'm not drawn in by that particular story, if I don't have, feel like I have any sort of, like, interest in what the... In, like, I don't have a huge folk music interest. Yeah. Which, I don't think you have to to see this movie. No. But I think for me, if I had had a, more of an interest in that time period and that that uh, genre of music, I probably would have been more invested. I just wasn't because, you know, I, I never yeah. felt... That's, I think there, there could, there's, there's many potential buy-in points and it's kind of, it, you know, it's kind of interesting, like, uh, you, you can buy into the subject matter, you can buy into the characters, mm-hmm. and I, one of the main tenets of the movie is, uh, I hesitate to say this outside of spoilers, but it's whether or not the people in this folk business are connecting with their audience, or can they find an audience, and it's kind of weird to have these characters that might not necessarily connect with people, and then you're trying to watch a movie about them. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, I can easily see that as, like, something that would prevent people from buying into this movie. Right, and and that's... I mean, I knew going in what the the basic idea of what the movie was about, and... I knew that the the folk music angle... I mean, like I said, the soundtrack's great, and, like, I mean, there's some really cool songs. Um, but I knew going in that the actual... the That aspect of the story was not going to be a, a selling point for me. Like, I wasn't going to be like, oh my god, yeah, I can't wait to watch... I just sound like Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. not intentional. Um, I don't know. And, and So I was hoping that the characters maybe were going to be more of a draw for me, and... I don't know. I just, like didn't like anybody in this movie. Like I, I like the like I said, the performances are great, but like yeah. the characters themselves, I'm like, God, I hate these people. Like they're all dicks. <laughs> like they're, they're all kind of, with the exception of Justin Timberlake, who I don't know. Like you he seems really endearing. Of, yeah. And actually, uh, the guy from Girls, whose name is Adam Driver. Yeah, like I really liked him too. Like he was kind of fun. I don't know. I don't know. But like Lewin Davis is kind of a dick. Like I didn't. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I never felt. I never felt like. I don't want to say too much because I don't. I, we're not in spoilers, but I, yeah. didn't, I never felt like. I mean, a lot of this movie is his struggle, you know, mm-hmm. his struggle for for recognition for his music, and I never felt like I was rooting for him. I was like, does he really deserve? That's like, interesting. I mean, he's a talented man, certainly, but like, talent only takes you so far. Like, you should you should be a halfway decent human being, I think, to deserve. Yeah, that's not always the way it is, but when you're watching a character. And you're kind of... I don't know if you're even supposed to be rooting for him. I can't tell you if you're... Like, am I? Like, should I be rooting for this guy? Like, I never felt like I should be. I don't it's know. It's kind of like, there's better people out there than this guy. Like, <laughs> let them... You know, I don't know. Yeah. But. Yeah, the amount of empathy and sympathy I had for the character <clears throat> changed quite a bit between both viewings. Yeah, did it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. First feeling, you were kind of like, eh, this guy's a jerk. Well, it, it was it good to talk about it? Or is that too spoiler? Well, I mean... I, I mean, I think it's fair to say how you felt about the character. Yeah, without, without, like, without giving okay. away Specific. why. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the first time I watched it, I was actually totally rooting for him. Um, and I felt pretty empathetic. Okay. Kind of like, I just really wanted him to succeed. And then the second yeah. time around, I was just kind of like, it's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, maybe not. Yeah. 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 Maybe he doesn't deserve... Deserve to get it. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, especially like looking at him with regards to the other the other acts in the movie, like Jim and Gene, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, the the young army man Troy who, Troy Nelson Troy Troy Nelson who who has uh, who um, you know is getting representation from this guy that Lewin is apparently interested in. You know, like. There's a very big contrast between Troy Nelson and Lewin Davis, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and so it's uh, it's interesting to kind of look at what what the Coen Brothers or what the universe or what anybody is saying about here's the kind of person that you need to be to succeed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that like one of the things, one of the big parts of the movie is is that I, I don't know, like Lewin Lewin Davis, in my opinion, is is a more talented singer and songwriter in the film. I would say, you know, than Troy. Troy. Yeah, absolutely. But the Troy character is one who's kind of willing to put himself out there and, like you said, interact with his fans. Yeah. And, 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 and 
and he's a seems like a decent guy. Like he's he you know he he's he's making music for other people. Yeah. Lewin Davis is very much making music for himself. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big difference there too. I think that's still to this day there's there's some musical talents that will never be discovered maybe because they don't it's for them. It's yeah. not for and there's a lot of bands that probably have been given all sorts of opportunities, and they're like, nah, I'm good. And I think, I think reading, like, the big stand-up that was at uh, the main art last night, there's, they have a sign out there for Lewin Davis that very much says, you know, the Coen brothers wanted to explore the idea of, you know, looking at a person who's very good at what they do, but it doesn't end up taking them anywhere. Yeah. I think, I think that is, you know, that's one of the main observations of the movie. But. Totally. And, and we'll talk about it in spoilers, but there's a, there's a part very near the end that totally sells that point and that's one of my favorite parts of the movie you know overall but we'll talk about that when we get I don't want to okay. too much so. um cat adorable <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if I said any like uh, my, my very general thoughts I enjoyed the uh, well enjoyed might be the wrong word but I, I I liked the movie quite a bit it's I think it's it's interesting and the Coen brothers uh are quite intriguing to me and I've been meaning to go back and watch more of their stuff I've kind of seen bits and pieces here and there. I've seen Fargo and Burn After Reading and uh, True Grit and, um, you know, I saw, I've seen a lot of The Big Lebowski, but I don't think I've ever sat down and watched it front to back. <laughs> and so uh, I, I would like to, to see more of their stuff and I think Lewin Davis is a pretty, I think it's interesting. I think it's it's interesting for them in particular because it is, it does seem like a bit of a different beast than the rest of the movies that they've made. But, uh, I actually, uh, I don't think it's too far removed from a lot of their catalog. A lot of their okay. earlier stuff is a little bit slower and more subdued. Okay, like Barton Fink and Barton stuff. Barton Fink, yeah, Barton okay. Fink's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like I, I haven't seen Barton Fink, but I like I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I know that some of their stuff, you know, may, maybe I just need to have a wider breadth of their their catalog. But yeah, Barton um, Fink's not too subtle, but it's got like a similar pacing. Okay, yeah, and it's got that kind of like the look of it's a lot more dark and subdued mm-hmm. and like kind of. Not grimy, but like uh, I don't know. Everything's really gray and like sad in this movie. I don't know. Like the whole look of the movie yeah. is very the colors really muted, really soft. very soft. Focus <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, yep. And I, I think that's very interesting, and I think that's cool. And uh, as you said, I, I really, I, as we've all said, the performances are great. Oh, uh, they're fantastic! Yeah. My only disappointment is that I feel like Garrett Hedlund was completely underutilized, and the fact that you know, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe people didn't see Country Strong, which I can't blame them. <laughs> But uh, he's got he's a he's a fantastic he can sing pretty well yeah. I think yeah, he's he I think uh, he he can he can play guitar pretty well too and I would have been quite happy to see him uh, t- partake in some of the some of the musical aspects of the movie but mm-hmm. you know uh, I I also think that Adam Driver was a little underused yeah yeah <laughs> totally yeah Adam Driver is El Cody I would have liked to have seen more of. Uh, more of his exposure to different types of music that were going on at the time or, like, different offshoots of folk music that were going on. You get a little bit of that here and there. I mean, he sees some of, like, the, the super old-school old school folk, which he kind of scoffs at a little bit. Yeah. And um, a little bit more of, like, the pop aspect of it with uh, Justin Timberlake's character, yeah. mm-hmm. which he also scoffs. Guy, he's just such a dick. Like, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm getting on a tangent again. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the thing, is that it's very... That I, it's... The movie's very much about kind of the artist's struggle and the idea of, uh, you know, selling out and and are you willing to step aside in your beliefs in order to 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 go ahead and 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 be successful at what you're doing and and Lewin Davis, as you see from the trailer, he very much like as he says to to Gene, he's like, I think that's a little careerist. Like he clearly doesn't <laughs> like he doesn't see his music as a way to to. Uh, it's weird because he sees it as his job, but he doesn't see it as he, he's, he's not going to compromise on it in order to get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, he contradicts himself a lot. He does. Yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, it's cool to see, it is cool. I will say to see a character that's oftentimes in, in, in music related films, you see a character who's, it's very typical, you know, the rise of this, you know, struggling artist who, you know, but this one, I mean, it's very honest about it. At least it's not, like he's not a perfect person. He's not no. like some sort of like sad underdog that just just needs a chance. You know, like he's 
he's not a, the nicest guy and he's not the easiest to deal with and he's selfish and he's got issues and that's kind of nice in a way. It also makes it very hard to root for him, I feel it like. Does. But it does. Maybe that's not a bad thing. No. I, you know. I, I do think what makes it easy to root for him though is that you enjoy his music. <clears throat> a lot of the film focuses on like the active performance and what kind of performance means. Mm. And I think that's the way it kind of get that was at least my first hook into being like, oh, this guy is great. Mm-hmm. Like I want to share it. I want people well, the, for to the first scene of the, Yeah. I got you. Yep. Get it and like uh totally want him to go to the next level of it Mm -hmm. but at the same time he's so entitled completely yeah doesn't even deserve to be um yeah it's tough it's i don't know yeah it's it's i think there's i think it's interesting that you had two different views of him like the both times you walked that's that's very interesting yeah yeah i wonder if i watched it a second time if i would like flip-flop like (laughs) if i'd be like okay you know I don't know. I think that's the thing. I think I think some of these Coen Brothers movies, I think this does require a second viewing because I very much walked out. I was like, that was good. But I didn't really know if there's a lot to talk about. Now that I feel now that I saw it a second time, I think there are a few things that we'll that we'll get into in spoilers that um you know, some of it's kind of the English teacher looking for more to talk about kind of thing. Yeah. But I think it, I think it's still interesting in the sense that uh you know, subconsciously trying to connect the dots is meaningful in the end but we can we can get to that and also i think the coen brothers always just do things so intentionally yeah so it's almost hard to ignore some things yeah nothing feels like it's yeah no i mean they've been doing this long enough like they're not nothing they do is not for like everything involving the cat like it seems so super like so pointless like Mm -hmm. really in the grand scheme of things but like there are moments in this movie where I was like, I'm not 100% sure what they were wanting to say with this, but like, I know they want to say something. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I feel stupid, but... Um, <laughs> thanks a lot, Coen Brothers, <laughs> for being smarter than me. Um, one thing I wanted to say, too, while we're in non-spoilers, is um, awards season. Anything in this movie that um, totally like says, okay, they uh, a nomination or a win, either way. I think uh, Oscar Isaac at least deserves a nomination. I think that he did... I, I he put on a character in this movie certainly. I would yeah I, I'd be I'd be happy to see him nominated. I, I think this should make I think the soundtrack should be nominated mm-hmm. because it's yeah, like I haven't stopped listening to it since I saw it the first time. Yeah, I think music is definitely something where best original song or yeah. something. Um, but uh, well, I don't. It, <laughs> I think the big song that they've used in the trailer isn't even it's not original because it's a folk oh, song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but. Most of the actual, most of the soundtrack isn't original. Yeah, it's a, there, it's, there is the one, the the final song he sings though, isn't that? That's that was written for the movie, wasn't it? I don't think so. No, really. No. Wow. Um, but uh, hmm. it's the same one as the trailer song. I think technically, oh, okay. I think technically the uh, written, like the only original song is probably "Please, Mr. Kennedy." There we go. <laughs> but like, hey, you know, I it's it's fun. It's a very it's a funny song. Get and, those three dudes up there on stage at the Oscars. <laughs> Space. <so. laughs> Um, but no, yeah, I think, <laughs> I, really think good. I think we'll see, uh, I think we'll see, it'll get some, some award, some award love and, you know, I, I go back and forth on awards. I'm much like Ron Swanson. As I've said before, I'm like Ron Swanson in that I believe awards are stupid unless they go to the right people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. Can Carrie Mulligan get an award for most obnoxious female character? <laughs> oh my film? god! I hope so. Oh my god! I, I might have a hard time watching her for a little while. <laughs> it's like I hated her so badly in this movie. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I, I hope it was like intentional to make her as despicable as she was. Because like, if not, then they did a pretty bad job. Well, it's weird because you know. Go uh, ahead. I was gonna say my perception of almost every character changed the second time. Yeah. And I bet if I watched it again. I, it's been too soon, you know. I don't want to watch mm-hmm. it again for a little bit. Yeah, but I know the next time I watch it, I'll have a little bit of a different mm-hmm. perspective yeah. on everyone too. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was thinking uh, if anybody listening to this happens to have been alive during the '60s, which if you are, hi, Dad. Or uh, I don't know, <laughs> uh, but okay. uh, I'd be interested. I I want to know what somebody who was paying attention to the folk scene at the time how they how they believe like what how do they feel about this movie what do they what do they what can what can their perspective bring to this movie that us yeah. youngins can't really see like that weren't around at the time anybody who was you know kind of kind of there at the advent of Dylan and and you know th- that could have been paying attention to the folk scene I think it could be a completely 
interesting, different way to kind of look at what what would they get out of it that mm-hmm. you didn't. Yeah, so, totally. Um, if you know anybody, if you listening, you listener guy, if you know somebody who's older and has seen the movie, uh, ask them what they thought and write into us. Feedback at MidwestFilmers.com. But anyway, uh, I think we will take a quick break and then we will come back for Spoiler Terry. So. Spoiler Terry. Yeah, Spoiler Terry for Inside Let's the Let's write a folk song about Spoiler Terry. We will. We will. We'll use my, we'll use GarageBand on the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. I did a little bit of digging on the internets, on the interwebs, uh, mostly uh, our true film on Reddit. There's a discussion topic for Inside Lewin Davis, which is pretty interesting to go take a look. But I will bring you the, the greatest hits here. Somebody very interestingly kind of brought up, Willie's talking about the cat, and he's like, I know that the cat means something more. And, and yeah. We, we, learned, we learned that the cat's name is Ulysses, which is con- it has connections <laughs> to Odysseus and the Odyssey. And mm-hmm. It makes sense of, you know, cat goes on the journey, journey, but yet finds his way back home, very much like um, Odysseus does in, in the Odyssey. And Lewin Davis does in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing. Sure. Like, somebody very very much brings up the point. The, the, when, when Lewin calls, uh, the, um, Lewin calls the, the Gorfines, uh, Secret, like he calls to the the Mr. Gorfine Gorfine secretary at the school, and he wants he's like, hey, I have let them know that Lewin has the cat, and then the the secretary says, Lewin is the cat. Oh right. So mm, the idea that that was much, really weird. Yeah, I was like, why would you? okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like kind of at different parts of the movie when Lewin and the cat are separated, it's it's embodying the idea that Lewin's kind of lost and trying to figure something out at the time, and then in the end he comes back around because Lewin's kind of like, I clearly this isn't working out and I need to go and I need to, I need to go back to being Merchant Marine, kind of do that stuff, mm-hmm. get back on the ship. And that's when, you know, you, you find out that Ulysses has found his way back home. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's, that, that does lead me to believe that there's more going on here than maybe, maybe I picked up the first time around. Yeah. I think, I think there's, I think there's breadcrumbs of things here and there. And I don't know, like we're not ultimately going to read through this and be like, Oh yes, it's a uh, modernization of, uh, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Of uh, Homer's first work or something. I don't know. Something well, like it wouldn't that. be the first time they've, they've done something like that. I well, mean, no, but I think uh, mm-hmm. they, they kind of blatantly come out and been like, this is what we're doing with this. I don't think I don't think somebody's going to be watching Lewin Davis later and be like, oh, this is... <laughs> this modernization is... of the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is the story of Moses. Um, so I found that kind of interesting just with, you know, trying to figure out what is up with the cat. Because the cat, you know... There's, yeah, I mean, it's certainly the cat... The, the cats. <laughs> There's multiple <laughs> yeah. in this movie. All adorable. Yeah. Um, I love cats. I this movie cats. made me wish that I wasn't allergic to cats because the way that Ulysses would just like wake, like, that one is wake a, up. Seriously, that cat is adorable. Yeah. I yeah. would take that cat in a second. Um, one thing and I want to say... the shots of the cat on the, on the train while he's looking so at the stuff. That was so cool. I don't know. I, like, that was like one of my favorite moments in the movie. Like the cat just watching the stuff go. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that in regards to of like in regards to him like kind of going on this journey and whatnot like I think that he, there's a he knows there's a part of him missing somewhere like he knows like that he wants something more for himself but he has no idea what it is and I think like in real life uh, there are people I mean we we are all guilty of this sometimes we make decisions as human beings that we know it's the wrong thing to do we absolutely know it's the wrong thing to do, but we continue to do it. I mean, it's, tr- I mean, it's true. And Stop hitting home. I'm going to start crying. Really. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll slow down. Put the brakes for you. It's okay. <laughs> Hashtag Alex's tears. Um, you, um, oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. okay. I'm just um, so, so I think, I, I mean, I know I've been guilty of it and I'm sure everybody else has like, but there are some people that straight up, that's what they do. I mean, like there's no, it, this is, it's not an occasional thing for certain people. Like some people make poor decisions knowing fully well they're making bad decisions. Like 
and can't stop. Like, and I think he's one of those people. Like, he has so many opportunities in this movie to take a chance and maybe find a way to fill that void that he's obviously got in him, and he never does. He sees the exit sign for for um, Akron, Akron, Ohio, yeah. and you think maybe, and he thinks maybe for a second I'm going to take that exit. And I'm gonna, you know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find her, find my, find, find my, my kid, or and, and he doesn't do it. For a moment, he, you know, he considers, he totally considers taking the cat with him because there's kind of a bond there at this point. And it's probably like once again, he's trying to find something to like fill that void that he's obviously got, and he doesn't do it. Like every single chance he has to fill some sort of like gap in himself, he, you know, he doesn't do. He it. sings for his father, and his father is clearly moved by the song, and. As soon as his father, unfortunately, lets himself go, um, he instantly was like, nope, I'm, you know, like, like he never, I don't know, he has moments to, like, open up and he well, yeah, and, and shuts them all down. That's kind of, like, even with the, I was thinking about the scene where he's at the Gorefines and they ask him to play and and he clearly doesn't want to. It's, it's, that scene to me is very much him not realizing that. Like, he, he, at that point, he's like, this is a job to me. This is what I do. I don't ask you to come and give a lecture mm-hmm. at my dinners. Like, that kind of thing. I think he very much doesn't realize that music is a way that you connect with others. I don't think that's what... I don't think he realizes that's why people like music in the first place is because it it, it literally strikes a chord with them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the fact that he, you know... Obviously, when she starts singing along to his old partner's part, it hits something in him where he's kind of like, please stop. Like, don't like it, it. And I, and I think that makes him puts on the defense mechanism and be like, no, I don't do this. This isn't my, like, I, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think his, I think there's a lot more going on with his partner's death too, because totally he, I mean, that's probably a big part of why he, like, that's, that's probably a good reason why he has that missing piece of himself. Like yeah. he never, he, I don't think he ever fully feels whole without, he clearly is, Beyond just obviously being the death of a friend and a musical partner, like there's like there's something more missing there for him, and, mm-hmm. and I think that he um, he doesn't I, he, you know he's he's always kind of a vagabond. He's homeless. I mean he's he's you know crashing on people's couches left and right. And I think if you use people to that extent, to his, like he might have gone in there like feeling bad about having to crash on somebody's couch at the beginning, like mm-hmm. you know like I don't want to have to do this, but thank you for your hospitality kind of thing. But after a while, he he starts to expect it of people. Yeah. And I think that he doesn't want to let himself open up to anybody either because at this point to him, people are a means to an end, whatever that end winds up being. Like, there's no – he doesn't really have any sort of emotional connections with anybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, even his sister, like, he's just kind of there. You know, he comes and he eats some food and he takes off. It's not – I don't know. There's never any sense and of – And their conversation about their dad, like, it's – yeah. yeah. He briefly opens up towards the end of the movie to um, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. When he tells her he loves her. And I, I legitimately think that he, he means what he's saying there. But I don't think, like... Well, and that's the only time that she kind of shows, like, a, I do yeah. actually care about you, Lewin. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and I find that it... Like I, very, like, I don't understand. I said to Rick last night, I don't understand why she hates him so much, yet she still slept with him while she's married... Or whatever, dating Jim. Like, I didn't... Like, none of that. None of that adds up to me. And it's just, like... I Like, there's there's a lot about her that I don't understand. There's obviously a lot that we don't know about um, Timlin... The other half of Timlin Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know much about Mike and what he meant to Lewin. I don't know. Like, maybe they were lovers. I don't know. I don't want to bring that agenda maybe, into Maybe, but... But who knows? I don't know. And, and uh... I think I, there's a lot of question marks in this movie, and I think it's kind of interesting to talk about why they're there and and and, and what they could mean, and and you know, ultimately what made Lewin into this person that he is, and it's very right. much you know like he's he probably like I said to Rick last night, I think he probably feels like he got abandoned and his friend has left him, and he doesn't know. You he's know, kind of aimless. He, I mean, he lost his friend that was his partner in this battle against the world to try and get their music known. Right. Yeah, it's, <clears> I, I think um, one thing, too, I, I brought it up during the non-spoiler section. Towards the end of the movie, we we actually see what I'm assuming is a young Bob Dylan playing yep, at the... Yep. 
that if 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 nothing else, like I said, I didn't. I wasn't nuts about this movie. I, I'm still not nuts about this movie. Although I will say it's it's fun to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I think if anything, this movie successfully did was it paints a really interesting picture of it. Really illuminates the fact that for every success story in any given genre of music, or really any 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 career, um, for every one person that really succeeds and becomes an icon of whatever that is. There are dozens other that hundreds yeah. others that that never you'll never hear about, which is yeah. interesting. Rick Rick was kind of talking about that last night with like how you see uh, folk musicians in the '60s as like startup companies of nowadays. Yeah, it feels like a rite of passage almost. Like you have to have struggled in this thing, or you know, for this greater cause. This you know, in this instance, being music to really have experienced life or something, um, and you really see how much folk mus- musicians at this time are really a dime a dozen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you have Al Cody who has his own box of records underneath mm-hmm. the exact same spot where <laughs> Lewin wants to put it. Yeah. Where he was going to put his. <laughs> um, I think for one of my takes on him as a character is that it's become music has become a very mechanical thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the origins of it, we don't know what they are. They could have been something that were, you know, it was maybe a more meaningful thing for him at, at the beginning. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, like you get that glimpse of he recorded that song for his parents. Yeah, when he was eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at this point, he's kind of using people as a means to an end, like you're saying. And he's not really taking the time to connect to his audience. And I think he thinks that he's owed something just because he's struggled mm-hmm. in it in so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the interesting things is I think because he's alone, his struggle is that much harder. And I think he that probably makes him feel a little more entitled. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I do appreciate about him is that I do feel like he still kind of took r- risks. And I think those are some of the saving graces of him. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he did go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that was motivated by the fact that he met Troy Nelson and Troy Nelson, you know, has yeah. some sort of future lined up musically. Yeah. And I think he was jealous of that. So he wanted to go kind of prove mm-hmm. himself. He probably went there for the wrong reason, but he still kind of pushed himself to do that. Yeah. I actually think him abandoning the cat in the car was another instance of him being like, no, I gotta like it. I gotta face this by myself. Like, stay back. Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. like forge on. Um, I hope it, the John Goodman and the cat wind up becoming a duo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a performing. Yes, you know, maybe the cat helps him kick his drug habits. And, <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I'd like to see that movie. Me too. Every time he like every time he plays a C major on a piano, <laughs> cat pops a hairball. Mm-hmm. hairball. <laughs> yeah. um, there's sorry. another. Th- yeah, it's all right. There's another instance of uh, him. Him kind of uh, heading down another journey, a little bit solo-ish, um, but I don't remember what it was. But I remember there were a few examples of it that kind of stood out as things that were kind of saving graces as his character, who otherwise is very mechanical and, like I said, just way too entitled. Yeah, and I and I think I think a lot of people have been talking about how. Um he just can't get out of his own way. Like, even when he goes to Chicago, you say he gets, he goes there for the wrong reasons, but it shows that he's taking a risk, but he doesn't even like take the opportunity that gets handed. He's like the, the, uh, the record label guy that he goes to see is very much like, I have this group that I think you might work well in and I'd like for you to give it a try. And he's just like, no, I have already done that. I don't want to do that. Like he, he, that's another one where I feel like he makes it just like, it might not have been the the noble decision to make, but mm-hmm. he, it's the wrong. De- what he does is the wrong. I mean, he does. He makes the wrong decision by. Mo- yeah. By I think most people would would think he doesn't yeah. want to sacrifice his own ideals, like who he is as a person and 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 who he is as an artist, to go and try to be successful. Yeah. Very much like Jean says to him, and she's like, "You don't want like you're sitting there sleeping on couches while we're out here actually doing something like." You know, he he doesn't have that motivation or that drive to actually do what he needs to do to be a success. He just wants people to pick him up as he is and be like, "Oh, I get where this guy." Yeah, is. there's no compromise there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's not, he's not, you know, going. He's not as as we said. He's not connecting. With yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a universal thing here too. With I mean, like. I mean, for I just graduated. I'm looking for jobs. I'm looking into things. Like, that's a scary thing. Like, when you've put a lot of time and effort, like he has, into music, clearly he's been doing it since he was, like, eight years old. Like, yeah. and then you, like, you're told by people, I don't, I don't Sorry, see any money in this. That's it. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's scary. Like, like that's a scary thought. So, I think that that's a universal thought we've all had at some point. Like, yeah. what if I've put all this time and effort into this this path that I've chosen for myself, and it's not going to pan out? That you know, it's a scary thought. Yeah. So, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. You know, so. It's um, kind of cool. Sometimes you make a podcast and you get like 60 listeners. And, uh... Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so two other kind of things that I picked up on the Reddit thread, the first of which is uh, the the kind of, we touched on this during the break, Willie kind of almost got there and I was like, wait, we need to record this, but uh, very much in the sense that you kind of, the movie starts off and we get kind of a preview of the end at the beat, like that that, that first scene. Obviously, some little things are omitted, like you don't hear the Dylan, and 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 you don't get that second performance of the song that he and Mike uh, mm. used to do. But um, God damn, it, I forgot to talk about the fact that uh, the the bar owner Poppy is uh, he was uh, Doogie Howser's best friend. <laughs> just, uh, I'm, That's I'm, amazing. I'm quite I'm quite happy with Max Casella as as he is now. But anyway, wait, was he was he the trouble starter? Uh, Eddie Haskell, was that who he was? Oh wait, wait, who who's best friend? Doogie, Doogie Howser. Howser. Oh, holy shit. You're thinking of... I was uh, thinking... Uh, you're thinking of... Um, it to Beaver. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, my That's bad. Awesome. Um, <laughs> like, <Eddie> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. Eddie Haskell. That's awesome. Those darn kids. <laughs> trying to think what was I talking Oh, the... How we get this kind of... Uh, the, the When he's in the Gorefine's apartment... When he wakes up in the Gorefine's apartment both times, it's very similar, even though it's kind of suggested that they're different days... And the beginning, like, it kind of shows this cyclic nature of mm-hmm. Lewin and how he's in this kind of destructive pattern, like, kind of going through, like, he's not really... We we do get one glimmer of hope that he has learned, and that is that he puts the foot in front of the door as the cat tries to get out and he can yeah. close the door. And that's the only saving <laughs> grace of, like, that's the only thing that Lewin has learned in this week of his life, is that he needs to... Don't let the cat out. Yeah, don't let that cat out. Which ties into the theory of the cat leaving is equivalent to him going on a journey where he kind of being lost. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. So that, you know, that kind of thing. And then on top of that, the second point that I wanted to bring up is that the movie is kind of like a folk song itself. Where in most folk songs, they start in one place, you've got that main central lick and an idea and then they end probably with a with a recap of that same like it it basically what happens is you go through this journey of this folk song, like learning more about this person in the situation and why they feel so the sadness about what they've lost or what, whatever in the folk music. And then it gets back to the, back to the same verse that's in the beginning. And the movie's very much like that too. You kind of have this beginning and start point that are kind of shared and you see this person, you know, go through a journey and then he ends up right back where he was. So yeah. I thought I thought those are kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting. interesting way to think about it. Like the movie is a folk song itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. Thanks Reddit.com slash <laughs> True Film Inside Lewin Davis uh, discussion for uh, illuminating. But yeah, illuminating. Thought, <laughs> yes, illuminating. <laughs> oh no, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do uh, one thing with the cat too. Again, uh, he hits a cat. On the way yeah. back from Chicago, mm-hmm. and I we don't know if it's the same. I think I'm, I would assume it's probably it's not the kind, same cat. Well, it's kind of suggested that it is the cat. Like I would, I I think it's heavily kind of. You're supposed to think that it's the cat that he left out. It's it's the the not Ulysses. Yes, <laughs> <Un> Ulysses. <laughs> Fake um, Ulysses. <clears throat> and um, it's interesting that as soon as like. As soon as he gets back home after that happens, like, that's when he, like... It's almost like he's killing... Like, that might be kind of, like, a weird, like, analogy for him killing his dream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's... Like, because when he gets... As soon as he gets back from that trip, he's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, it's almost... There's almost, like, a a little bit of the cat representing his... His dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the way he, the way he like, constantly feels the need to take care of the cat, even though he definitely doesn't have to and stuff. And then he finally, like... He finally, like... Kills his own. Yeah, I don't know. There's something there too. I think that. Well, that's. Going on there. I I said to Rick, I I kind of had two contrasting ideas in that. Um, when I was first going, when I went like on my second viewing, as I was first watching the movie, it seems like there's a lot of like. Some people just are destined to not make it. Like there, some true. some people aren't going to make it, and Lewin's one of those people. No matter what he does, that it's just not going to work out. On the other hand, as I've said, I think he makes some choices he doesn't get out of his own way. So that kind of contradicts. And then on top of that, 
I was kind of seeing him leaving the cat as as um, maybe him leaving the cat and then subsequently injuring or killing the cat is like he could have avoided a lot of these things. He could have avoided getting Jean pregnant and needing to pay for the abortion, although he doesn't ultimately need to pay for the abortion. Mm-hmm. Like he he uh, he just very much can avoid a lot of the issues that he has in his life, but he makes the decision mm-hmm. in the beginning that means that he doesn't end up, you know. So that's that's kind of I, I feel like the cat's got some some interesting thoughts. It's a deep cat, it. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts, Rick? Um. <clears throat> It's funny because the the first time around, I kept thinking the, the cat has you know has some significance, and the second time around, I was thinking, oh maybe the cat means this, and then every single time you would see the cat next, something would nullify that theory yeah. entirely. <laughs> it's, um, it's weird not to be fi- it's, it's it seems weird to be fixated on the cat, but it, there's there's just something there that's like a, there's a very clear intention there. And we might never know, so it's almost like maddening. Like, well, and I read that the Cohen brothers—they very much were like uh, they obviously they pick the cat, and that's not an animal that takes as much direction as dogs usually do. <laughs> so they they put out a casting call for the orange tabby cat because you can get so many orange tabby cats, <laughs> and they picked the cat based on the natural interactions with the cat's environment as they were, like, observing it. And they were like, okay, this cat's kind of doing the thing that we want it to do. It's a good cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, this cat will take this cat and this cat and this cat. Nailed the audition. Yeah. This is the train cat, because he clearly looks at things and notices them. And then this is the cat that likes to fly out of windows. And <laughs> it's amazing. That is funny. So, I, think, I think they obviously made very conscious decisions of, like, you know, we want the cat to be doing as much as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how many screen trained cats there really are. But. Yeah. Another thing about the cat that I thought was kind of interesting is that uh, the whole... So once he lets it out, he feels a certain responsibility for mm-hmm. kind of taking it. And then once he loses it and then subsequently finds the wrong one and then it's revealed to him that it's the wrong one, he still has a certain responsibility about it. But it feels, yeah. like, very arbitrary to him. Like, yeah. I almost perceive him as not really... Almost doing it because he feels like he kind of has to. And I think yeah. that's also the way that he approaches music at this point. Because he doesn't seem that passionate about it. It almost mm-hmm. seems like he just wants it for the attention. Because mm-hmm. he's yeah. obviously pretty self-centered. But I he's think He's continuing that's, down that road because he's already... Like, that's where he started out. It's kind of all yeah. he has left. And it's, like, I mean... what he thinks he should do, maybe. And that's kind of how it feels. I think killing the cat kind of, or not killing the cat, but hitting the cat in the car. Um, that's also the point, yeah, when he doesn't really care about it as much. Yeah, he's, he's he's basically decided that, that's after seeing that the guy's like, I don't see any money in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm also interested <laughs> to see what happens afterward, because he also played the song, which he gets emotional about earlier. Yeah, true. And that's also how he ends. So it's interesting to see that there still is a bit of a change for him internally. But how much That's of it, it, you know, is he going to change or what's he going to do in, in the mm-hmm. future? Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. I think that kind of sums up our discussion on Inside Lewin Davis. I think there's a lot to talk about. You mm-hmm. know, like you said, Will, you didn't particularly enjoy it, but I still think there's a lot of... There's more There's more to talk about there than... Uh, you can find stuff to talk about. Yeah. Even no. if it is kind of a straightforward, like... Here's this dude failing at life for a week. Yeah, and I totally I, like. I didn't hate this movie by any means. I no. mean, I you know, I just it didn't it didn't sing to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, thanks to Aunt Mr. John, my brother, for our artwork and uh, and and music. Um, what else? Twitter at MFN Podcast. You can find our respective Twitters on MidwestFilmNerds.com in the show notes for this episode, where I also post time uh, timestamps for each segment, so you can skip over uh, the nerd drivel that occurred at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> um, <clears throat> other than that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Write in, let us know what you thought about the movie, uh, anything we talked about on Inside Lewin Davis, or any other episode, or any other topic, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. Instagram and Vine, we're on there too. Find links to that on our show notes. Yeah. Look for a picture of me as Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I want to be specific. It is Joaquin Phoenix as he quit acting. That yeah, was that mm-hmm. was the the. Uh, you the should concept. put a. You should put both pictures. Do a side by side. You okay. you and yep you and Joaquin next to each other. All right. Yeah, I can do that. I'll do that. <laughs> You're so happy with me that I. I'm very happy. Like <laughs> <laughs> call this out on the yeah. podcast. Um. No, it's good. People can appreciate my. Uh, it was good. It was my, good costume. My genius as a. Uh, was a good costume. I'm going to be Joaquin Phoenix for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Kyle X Y, go watch a movie. Teen Wolf. <laughs> 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 <laughs>